First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. Good morning, church. Forgive me when I say tonight when we learn or tonight we should know because I'm used to the last five years of being able to bring the word of God to these awesome students. And it is a pleasure to be um, here with you this morning to be able to do the same thing. And you know, every year we take a senior trip. That was something that was established long before I um, became pastor here for the students and uh, I loved it. And it's something we've continued. And we went to the Keys this year again. And, you know, in and through these senior trips, what, teen, what we have seen happen is God gives us kind of a theme. And he gives us a theme, you know, hopefully it's a theme that will stick with these seniors. This year, I'm going to spoil um, their gift right now because I don't often get the chance to stand before our church. This year's theme came out of our church on the bus uh, where Tracy Anderson gave us the word. And it says, walk in wisdom. And it's in Colossians 4 or 5. And we're going to talk about that. But I want to frame up a concept of, of wisdom and this idea of, of wisdom. And why this is a theme for us. Because this is more than just a high school graduation theme. This is a life theme for a believer. To be able to walk in wisdom. And like any other um, word like this, we see the world may define it one way. That might be a little bit of a contradiction to the way the Word of God defines it. Our world and our culture may think of wisdom and they may think of uh, somebody who has great knowledge, high education, expertise in a field. And certainly those are all uh, great things to have. Students, you might think of your professors, your teachers, maybe a coach that, is, is, that just excels in his area and is a book of knowledge. You may think of your father, your grandfather, all kinds of thoughts and people may, may come into our mind, but how does, how, does the, how does the Word of God define wisdom? Before we can walk in it, we need to know that. And I think right out of the gate, we can see in Proverbs, and the book of Proverbs talks about wisdom more than any other book in Scripture. And in Proverbs 9 and 10, it's a well-known verse, as we frame this up, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So, Simply stated in scripture is the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And the fear that is mentioned here is a healthy reverence or awe. Saying, wow, this God is big and holy. He's created everything around me. He's created me. And, and I, I'm, this is amazing. It's awe. It's a reverence. And when someone obeys what they know to be true, usually understanding follows. This is a likely sequence that, that, that took place in your life when you gave your life over to Christ. You said, enough is enough. I'm tired of doing this life on my own. I'm weary. And you know, a lot of the decisions I've made have ended, in a, ended poorly, ended bad. And I'm, I'm confused. I'm frustrated. You, you've had those feelings. And you said, finally, I want to be obedient to God and I want to walk in his ways. I want to walk in wisdom. And through a healthy fear, you submitted your life to the Lord. Through a healthy fear, it led you to obedience. And then through that obedience, as you've grown in wisdom, it's led to greater understanding of the depth of grace and what God has done for you. Proverbs 28, 26 also says it nicely and uses these exact words. It says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but whoever walks in wisdom will be delivered. 
So that's a quick frame up of what wisdom is, but I think we've got to ask another question before we can talk about walking in it. Why, why does God desire to give us wisdom? And, and most importantly, what does he want us to do with it? So it's birthed in Christ. We gain wisdom through his son. It's a gift, but what, why? And that's what's on the bottom of this shirt in Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. I just want to read it to you from the Apostle Paul, and he frames it up beautifully. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Making the best use of time, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. One of the aims of wisdom is to aim toward pointing people to Christ, the author of wisdom and the creator of wisdom that was birthed in us. Godly wisdom is given to us through salvation, and you know, we see it played out, and it's just like any other gift. Wisdom is meant to help us with our walk with the Lord, which will point people to Him. That's how we build our testimony. It's through grace that we have an opportunity to, to sustain this type of life. And that's what wisdom is for us. It's, 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 a, it's a young man or a young woman or, or a senior adult walking in a way that is different than the world. Not conforming to the world, but being transformed because of what Jesus has done for you. That's wisdom, and that's walking in it. And it's meant to draw people to God, just like any other gift we have. And Proverbs 11.30 kind of sums it up well, and he says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. So if we walk in this wisdom, the fruit of that in our life, believer, student, graduate, whoever you are, should be winning souls for King Jesus. That's why we're here. He wants to use us. And that's a beautiful, awesome, incredible truth this morning. And so the passage of Scripture we're going to study, now that that's framed up, I believe Peter gives us a perfect outline of what this looks like, how to walk in wisdom for all of us. And before we, we get to the reading, I just want to kind of tell you that the setting. Um, Peter was addressing his leaders of the church in verses 1 through 4. He's addressing his leaders and he's saying to the elders of the church in regards to shepherding the flock and he's encouraging them and he's pouring into them and he's telling them even saying this, shepherd the flock and encouraging them to continue serving because the chief shepherd, hear this, the chief shepherd is coming and they'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Wow, I can't wait for that day. Can you? The unfading crown of glory. But then we're going to see in the first word we read, he says, likewise. So he's shifting his attention and turning it to the congregation, to the other people, to us. And so he's speaking right to us um, this morning. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, and it's behind me on the screen, or if you want to follow along with me in your Bible, let's pick right up in verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, 
knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him. Be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we read a passage like this and we can't help but to be challenged and encouraged, motivated. And Lord, that's what your word does. And we thank you for it. That's why we're gathered here in this place this morning. And Father, I thank you for opening my eyes to areas in my walk, um, Lord, that need to be strengthened, that I need to give to you. And Lord, I pray the same for those here who you sent, Lord, to be molded by you and your word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, so we give you this time. Block out distractions. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. This beautiful and rich passage, we see seven ways that we can effectively walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom in such a way that is going to be a magnet for people around us and say, I want what they have. Walk in a wisdom that is a way that's going to be glorifying to God. And we see that. And we're going to jump right in because in these seven, we're going to spend um, a little bit more time on others. Um, and so we're just going to jump in and hear the first, the first thing we see right out of the gate in verse 5 is we must have a heart of submission. A heart of submission if we are going to be able to walk in wisdom. Um, many of you might be thinking right now before we go into this passage that Pastor Scott threw out his back on purpose, so I would talk about submission to the church, uh, to its leaders. Um, but Scott, you're a wise man, but I don't, I don't think you're that wise. So, um, you know, it, it is a beautiful picture of what the church should look like. And in broader view, we know as Christians, we are to be submissive to all authority, especially the church. You know how we, how we act in this church, and, 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 the, and I say we, the congregation, and, and all of us, um, has a big impact. It has an impact on the world around us that's watching the church with a microscope. It has an impact on the people that are a part of the church. And so what we do and how we behave and our attitudes matter. This is the bride of Christ. And if our salvation began with submission, then we're to continue to live that out. And we live it out through the church in the fall. We were uh, studying Hebrews, and it says it perfectly and plainly in Hebrews 13, 17. And this is a verse that we talk often um, about in, in our staff meetings. Obey the leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You know, part of that verse that sticks out to me, aside from the have to give an account for the souls that God sends you, is let them do this with joy. Church, we count it joy. As leaders, to be able to lead um, the, the people that God sends here. I count it joy when I see um, a huge moment like this for these, um, for these seniors that I remember sitting there last year. It's a joy, it's a privilege to serve and to be able to shepherd and guide Though not perfect, but give our life as we seek wisdom from God to be able to, to pour and invest in you. But what about the outside world? You know, students, pretty soon you're going to graduate and you're going to have, as Scott alluded to earlier, you're going to have professors that adamantly deny your faith and oppose it completely. 
They're going to do all they can to teach against it. You're going to have uh, roommates, classmates that make fun of you, persecute you because of your faith. How can you believe in such a thing? We know that. But then the leaders in your life, are, are you just going to you know, quit class or, or leave or be disrespectful? No, that's not what God has called you to do. You know what you need to do is pray more. And this is not just for you. This is for adults as well. There's people in this room right now who has a boss who opposes their faith. There's people in this room who have been persecuted by their leadership for their faith. And there's a time and a place to be bold and be truthful. But we've got to have a heart of submission because ultimately that can possibly win over people for Christ as we walk in wisdom. 1 Peter 2.18 kind of highlights this a few chapters before this. He says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So he says, don't just, don't just be submissive to the people that are easy to be submissive to. Be submissive to the very people that are unjust, that are treating you like trash. Be submissive to them and trust God's working through that. And this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And some of you have felt this already. Adults in this room are thinking, man, I've, I've just dealt with this this week. It's going to be hard. It's been hard for me in my life. But this is where the second point comes in that Peter brings in. I love the sequence of this, by the way, as we walk through this quickly. Is sequence is beautiful and it's meant to be in this sequence. Because the next, the next point is we need to cover ourselves with humility if we're going to walk in wisdom. It takes humility to say, I'm going to submit to somebody that's treating me unjustly. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that in the proper time he may exalt you. It's, is it even possible to talk about walking in wisdom without bringing this word up? Humility. Humility is, is so central to our faith. Without humility, there would have been no submission in our lives. To, be, to, to, to begin our salvation and, and to begin our walk with the Lord, there would have been, there would have, that would have not taken place. Without submission, again, there'd be no salvation. And without humility, we cannot walk in wisdom the way the Lord wants us to walk in wisdom. It's that simple. God has laid it out for us to be humble servants. And that's exactly why Peter says, clothe yourselves. That means cover completely. Clothe yourselves with this. Because if you do, God will exalt you. But you've got to be covered. There can't be this little area of pride that's exposed. It's got to be covered. And it's got to be covered with humility. He's urging all believers to live out this characteristic. There's a warning. There's a warning. But yet there's great encouragement in this verse. What's the warning? The warning is God opposes the proud. That means combats, counters, disputes. I wouldn't want to be on that side. That's not a good, that's not a good feeling to be on that side knowing that that's how God handles pride. But here comes the encouragement. He gives grace to the humble. You know, I don't know about you, church, but I try every day and sometimes I fail, to at least at one moment stop and thank God for his grace because I need it so desperately. And just that alone, just that alone is a step toward humility to recognize 
that we can't do this life alone, to recognize that we need God's grace, God's grace every moment, that is a sign and a picture of what humility should look like in a believer. And as a student pastor here, I have seen acts of, of kindness that have been birthed out of humility um, over and over again. It was actually overwhelming as I was thinking about this. And one area that stood out as I was making the senior books that these students will get tonight at their banquet and looking at so many, so many pictures of uh, camp and mission trips and great things we've been able to do and then pictures of people, of you, coming to me, a parent, a grandparent, a senior adult that's just wanting to help and saying, how can I help send one of these kids on mission? How can I help send one of these kids on camp? Church, do you know in five years, I've never had to say one time, not one time to one of these students, you can't go to camp because we don't have enough, you, you, you can't afford it. Not once. And these people, they haven't come to me to, to, to give this out of, out of, a place for people to look at them at a higher level or, or, or self-proclamation of saying, oh, look at me, I'm going to give this big gift. No, they every time will come to me saying, we don't need anybody to know where this is from. I just want to serve. They did it out of a humble heart. And this is the fruit of that church. That is the fruit of that church. 30-something juniors ready to attack the world. Seniors ready to go and, and, and be the light. It's because of your support your prayers, your humility, and how you go about things. Thank you for that. And ultimately, our, 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 our model of humility that we see in Scripture, right, just a few weeks ago as we were walking through Philippians, in the second chapter, in verse 7, we see Jesus, the greatest picture of humility, where it says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Without that act of humility, there's, we don't have a possibility to even walk in wisdom. It's not an option. But it's an option because Jesus did what he did. The greatest act of humility. So once we have submission... Once we realize we got to live our life um, in a humble way... The third thing should come natural, but yet it's one of the hardest. And our third, our, our third point here is having total reliance. It doesn't say some. He says casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, there's been no way that I could be asked to teach a message without having either some type of fishing rod or something um, on the stage. And I thought of many of you as seniors because we did a lot of fishing in the Keys, right? Well, some of you did just putting stuff in the water and some of you, you know. But when, when I think of casting, I love this picture and, and these words that Peter used because it's important. If you guys are hungry, this is not going to satisfy your appetite before lunch. Um, I'm not going to throw it to you. But if I was going to go bass fishing and throw this worm out there to where I can have a chance to catch a, catch a fish, and I'm going to cast this, I'm going to open this bale, and I'm going to throw it as hard as I can. And when I do, this thing, if I casted it right, unlike many of you, um, will be gone. <laughs> it will be gone, and then <clears throat> I will begin to reel it in in hopes that a big fish hits this, right? P think of Peter himself. 
When Jesus called him, he's casting a net. So he's taking this net, he's, he's jumbling it all up, and he's, he's getting it ready, and he takes a step back, and he throws it. He casts the net. The net is gone. You can't catch fish in the water if half the net's in the boat and another part of the net is in the water. It's got to be gone to where it can do its work. For God to be able to do what he wants to do through us as we walk in wisdom, we've got to be able to take all as he says, all of our anxiety and cast it, cast it completely on the shoulders of the Lord. So, because why? Because he cares for you. He cares enough for you to say, I want it all. Look at how Psalm 55, 22 puts it. Cast your burden on the Lord, and here's even better imagery for me, and he will sustain you. For in order for God to sustain us, though, we've got to get rid of it, everything. We can't hold anything back. And we know that this life is full of anxieties. We know that we have struggles every day, all the time. I'll have students come to me on a Wednesday night or Sunday and say, Pastor Jason, I need prayer over this area. A lot of times it has to do with school, and I, as I'm getting older and grayer, um, will start to go into the, well, now listen, it's going to get a lot more stressful as you get older, and that just kind of kicks in, right? And it's true. As we start getting, uh, we have more and more people counting on us, little kids pulling on on our legs, right, needing our attention, as we have to start paying bills and we're married and people are counting on every decision we make and what we do, the anxieties start to increase. But, oh, but, but anyway, let me forget about that. We'll, pay, we'll pray for your math test, okay? It changes. But yet one thing that never changes is we will have anxiety. And Satan wants us to do this. Try harder. Be smarter. Work more. Keep going. Get tired. That's what Satan wants you to do. God just says, give it to me. Just give it to me. Give it to me and watch me work through this while I sustain you. Because I care for you. That's what God wants you to do. Satan wants us to do the total opposite. And in and through all these struggles, God is sovereign. His plan is perfect despite anything we must endure. As we strive to focus and, and rely completely on the Lord, the next area of focus that comes in view is a part of a little um, three-part sequence here that he puts kind of closely together, and I love this. And the first one is of, of great importance, and that's to maintain self-control. In verse 8a, he says, be sober-minded. So I think when we hear that term, we think of be sober. In our world, you know, we think of the... the The normal things, right? Be sober, be free of intoxication, alcohol, drug use. Students, you've seen that, you've lived that, many of you already. You're about to enter into a season where you're really, really, really going to see that a lot. You're going to see people that are not sober-minded, and it's going to affect a lot of things that they're doing. But in this passage, and many others in the New Testament, it's important that we know that this has more of a metaphorical connotation that includes our life dealings with sin in general. Sin that is ensnaring us, that's got a, that's got a hold on us, that's causing us not to be able to focus 
on our walk with the Lord, and most importantly, our focus on walking in wisdom to glorify God, to bring people to him. It's an intoxication of the mind that sin creates. This is what's in view here as Peter is talking about this. And again, students, you're going to see these type of struggles, and this is what you're going to see. And I pray with all of my heart and on my knees that this won't be any of you, but this is what you'll see. You'll see students not being sober-minded and caught up in many of these areas, and this is what you'll find. They'll start failing their classes. Next thing you know, they're dropping out of school. Next thing you know, they're making poor choices. And hopefully, God forbid, not worse. Because it tends to, to get bigger and bigger. For the adults, it's seen the same thing. We see people that deal with, with these type of struggles that are ensnared with sin and ultimate, at, at times it can lead to job loss. It could lead to divorce and hopefully not worse. But it's a sequence and it's a chain of events that happens that continues to gain steam as we're not sober-minded. Peter is basically saying, avoid the allures of the world that will distract you from your relationship and focus you need to grow in your relationship with your God. That's what he's screaming to us in this passage. And I said this is a part of a little sequence because the next point, without being sober-minded, we can't, we, we can't accomplish this next point to be able to walk in wisdom. And that's to be able to be watchful. To be able to be watchful. Be watchful for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. We cannot be on alert. We cannot be watchful, church, unless we are focused and I believe as we think of the Christian life, this is one area, as I've done some reflection in my own life, spiritually speaking, that I struggle with. And let me tell you why I figured out why I struggle with this. And it's simple. Complacency. Complacency. I'm complacent with maybe my life in general. Complacent with my life spiritually at times. And then and through that complacency, I let my guard down. And it's, it's, it's then that Satan attacks. I have found that Satan's two favorite ways to attack, and maybe you can relate to this, are when you're complacent and you're not ready for it because you've kind of slid away um, from your walk with the Lord, or when you're so far down, he's kicking you because he wants you to just give up. And so when I become complacent or not watchful, that's when I feel Satan attacking me more than normal. You know, this past week on Tuesday, uh, my father and I went and picked up um, kind of a rescue dog, three-year-old um, dog that we brought home, and um, beautiful, beautiful dog, just a beautiful specimen of a dog. Um, had a great uh, couple days with them, and on Thursday, uh, decided to bring my children over there to meet him. And so we came over, came over to have dinner and um, brought my children in there and watched them closely because it's a new dog, male dog, and so you always want to be careful. And, uh, and so we, we were very careful inside and he seemed to be fine with them and was sniffing them, checking them out and had lunch or had dinner together. And uh, then we decided afterwards, let's just go outside. Let's take him off the leash. Let's have fun with him. Let's go outside and, and just enjoy this weather and, and play with him. And so we did. I was sitting down under an oak tree and we were having great discussion and birds were singing, right? Everything was fine. And then all in one moment, things changed. That dog went from playing to attacking my five-year-old. And when I mean attacking my five-year-old, taking him to the ground, and by the grace of God, where he bit him, had some cushion. 
And so five hours in the emergency room and, and a few stitches later, John Luke is fine. Can't really sit too well, but he's fine. But church, hear me. In a moment, everything changed. And as I was sitting in that emergency room, mulling over and, and meditating even on this passage, I was thinking to myself, it's amazing how God teaches you because it just hit me. Isn't that our picture in our walk with the Lord? As soon as we're sitting down and everything's fine, a test result comes in that you weren't expecting. Your boss comes in and says, you no longer have a job. You find out your son or your daughter is making poor choices. No, whatever it is. We all have come in with these things. It's when we least expect it. Here's the other picture too. Thankfully, my dad got to John Luke as before things got worse. I was in such shock because I was not on alert that it took me longer to get there. But by the time dad got the dog off John Luke, I ripped him up in my arms and I put him up high. And you know, as soon as I did that, that dog was jumping this high trying to grab his leg. But he couldn't get him because he was safe in his father's arms. And that's all God wants. He wants you to be safe in his arms. Does it mean bad things aren't going to happen? No. It means he wants to secure you. He wants it all. But we've got to be watchful. We've got to see it coming. What it might look like for you to be watchful, students, as you get into college. And maybe the, maybe, maybe the, the friends that you have even now or maybe the roommates you have all of a sudden starts to go this direction. The direction where most of the world is heading. God has given you a lens to see that, to be watchful and to be ready for it. And he's given you that lens because you're going to have a choice to make. Do I conform or do I continue to walk in wisdom and be transformed? He's given you that option and he's laid it out for you. And you know truth. Every one of you, you know truth. And this is the same for adults. I've had to do this with my own friends at times. These are hard decisions we have to make. And let me tell you, this sixth point is how we make this choice and how we make this decision. In order to live and to walk in wisdom, we've got to be able to stand strong. Peter says, resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Peter is commanding believers to have a mindset that's resolute, to have a mindset to stand strong against how Satan, the roaring lion, as we just read, is going to attack you. We stand strong in just a couple, a few ways that are just paramount to our, our walk with him. We stand strong by being in God's word. You know, that's why we're here this morning. We're here this morning to allow God to help us to see areas in our life where we need to, to turn over to him, to have areas in our life where we get to, 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 to just praise him for his grace and to read God's word while we meditate on it day and night and let it transform us. We stand strong by being in prayer, being in prayer on our knees in our closet and being in prayer with our accountability partners and our small groups and our Sunday school classes, being in prayer. We stand strong and resist Satan by being in fellowship with our brotherhood, Peter says. I love that. This is our brotherhood, church. Take a look around. God has given you a brotherhood and your Sunday school class and your life group. And they're, it's, they're meant to do life with you 
as you combat Satan in the name of Christ. This is your brotherhood. He's given us all we need to resist the enemy. And he is the champion. He will not lose if we give it to him in full. So our walk in wisdom should include submission. Our walk in wisdom should include humility and reliance, self-control, being watchful, standing strong. And our last point, walking in wisdom, we should every day be able to hold on to hope. In verses 10 and 11, Peter says, And after you have suffered a little while, God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Church, this life's going to get challenging. And when we face trials that are going to come our way, we can assure that one day God is going to make it all right. But in this verse... This is our promise today as we walk in that grace. And again, I'll reference Paul in Romans 12, 12, where he says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter the circumstances you're dealing with, you can trust God when you walk in wisdom that he will restore. Hear this promise. Here's your hope. Confirm strengthen, and establish you. Believer, that's for you today. We can know that that is the promise and the hope that God has given us even now, that we will be confirmed and strengthened and established through all the things we must deal with today. Now that's worth rejoicing. And to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, if um, you're somebody that came in here and maybe you just don't even know uh, why uh, you, you were here, maybe you were invited, as, as Scott said, by, by a family member because you're celebrating um, one of these, and then you heard this truth and you're taking an evaluation of your life and you said, you know what, my walk in wisdom is really all about me. I don't have wisdom that God has given me, I have, I, I have what I know. I've been trying real hard and things have gotten really hard. Church, I need you to hear this. The promise of God is for you. Despite the fact that things are broken all around us, he's given us a way through his son. In the midst of our brokenness, we're going to try all we can to work harder to get out of that. But the reality of it is it's going to lead to more and more emptiness. We can't do it. We need what he's given us, and that's his son. And in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it basically says, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. That's for you today. And you can begin your walk in wisdom this morning through that act of salvation and, and submission. Remember the first point. It starts with submission. Believer, maybe you're like me today. And there's a couple areas in, in your life over these seven points where you say, man, that could use some refining. There's only one refiner. And that's King Jesus. And all he wants you to do is cast it on him. And he wants you to do that in an act of humility. We're going to have pastors up front um, this morning. And, you know, this is a time of prayer. This is a time of coming to your brotherhood. 
having the ability to have people just pray over you and love you enough and point you back to hope that we have in Christ. That's what this time is all about. And for this to be a special time for you, for God to do the work in your heart, you just got to take it to him. And we'd love to be there to receive that and pray with you. And so I'm going to ask you guys to stand here as we sing this powerful worship song. And I pray that if God spoke to you in any way, that you get that right with him and you come forward and meet with one of us. And we'd love to, to pray with you.